0: Welcome in, as Christopher Laud called it, the Chris Watkins Hour. We'll work on it. We'll workshop it. It's alright. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Joining me, I should mention, on the other side. Uh, not on the other side. Across from me. Directly across from me. If you're watching on Sactown Sports 1140 YouTube channel, you can check us out. Myself, my return of the roar co-host Frankie Cardicelli, also heavy contributor to uh The website, SackTownSports.com. You can read all of his Kings articles, game recaps, and uh, just general Kings thoughts over there at SackTownSports.com. We are coming to you on this Monday morning. And, like, this is – I mean, this is a true pleasure as we are joining you for the first time since the Kings and the Clippers had the game of this NBA season for sure. And, dare I say – Maybe the best King's game I think I have ever seen in my lifetime. And granted, I'm 27, Frank, you're 28 years old. we We haven't been there since 1985, like the G- man who we'll, we'll also get to at some point in this show. But we've seen a lot, and I mean a lot of King's games in our in our time as King's fans here. I don't think I've ever seen any game as exciting as what we saw on Friday night, the double overtime special in LA in the crypto.com arena. I almost called it crypto center or whatever they they call it nowadays. Yeah. It's always staples. 176, 175 over the Los Angeles Clippers offense galore, tough shot making. You had, you had all in that game. Does it, did that win feel different than any, any other game this season? And do you feel Differently about the team after that, coming out of that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you talk about signature wins, right? Yes. Like, teams need signature wins. Absolutely. And that was the one. That was one we're coming into the night of, you had a reloaded Clippers team. They have right. Paul George and Kawhi, both healthy, which has been kind of a rare commodity for them this season. Very. They have Eric Gordon. Plumlee's in the fold now. Um, who else Westbrook. Was, I mean, Westbrook. that's Westbrook's, Westbrook's debut. It was Westbrook's debut. That was the story right. of the night. All these big names coming in to help round out a roster. That was already good. And... I was telling J- Dave and Jason this a few minutes ago, going to that game, I wanted to see them compete. Yeah. I wasn't essentially looking for the Kings. If the Kings could have won, that's gravy. That's great. I would have loved it. And they needed to win when you look at how far things went in that game. Yeah. I don't think a loss would have sufficed at that point. I think that competing was great, but when you're at 170 points on the night yeah. in double overtime, those guys, like you... You left on, it all out there. On yeah. both sides, like they're killing themselves to win that game. Yeah. And the Kings coming out on top to me is just so telling that this group is for real.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you you mentioned it's a statement game. That's that's the perfect way of putting it because I think it's the type of game that we're going to look back. It, it answered so many questions. Um, I talked about it a bit on Saturday for, for in my Kings Weekly show. But, you know, it was just there were so many things stacked against them in that game. The fact that they were down by 13 in that fourth quarter, down by six in both overtimes with under two minutes to go. Uh, That in itself is crazy. I think, you know, if you would have told me, you you mentioned that, you know, it it kind of would have been disappointing if they lost. I was fully prepared prepping for that for my Saturday show to be like, you know, I don't believe in moral victories, but the fact that they were just able to continue to fight and claw through that game when they really had no business doing so. And in a game where you allow 153 points in regulation, For defense to be the reason why they inevitably came back in that game, I think, again, like it's just such a statement and something that I will undoubtedly go back to and point back to as, hey, like I have doubts about this team. Here's a real life, real example of them overcoming some real questions, I think, especially, you know, around the trade deadline. The talk of town was we have to get a backup center for Demona Sabonis. We cannot survive if Demona Sabonis or when Demona Sabonis inevitably does find himself in foul trouble in a crucial clutch game. Well, what happened on Friday? Demona Sabonis fouls out with, I think, three minutes to go in that first overtime segment. They go the final eight minutes of that game without Domas. Like, how, how would you have ever guessed that the Kings could have survived the final eight minutes of a neck-and-neck game without Damanis
1: No, and when that happened, again, I mean, I, I resigned to the fact that the Kings lost. I mean, the fourth quarter in the game was a 13-point game. Yeah, I'm turning to my girlfriend watching. Ah, they gave it a good shot. Yep. Came back. And then when Domos fouled out, you just think, okay, his impact, you, you can't really put yeah. you know a value on it. Right. And with him out, Chemezi Metu, I mean, he's had good spurts this year, but to expect him to go out there and make a difference or kind of hold the fort down – It kind of is asking for a lot, especially against the Clippers who are loaded. I mean, they're one through five on the floor that night. were just guys who have been in the playoffs countless times, countless experience. I mean, NBA finals. I mean, there's so many years of experience on the floor, and Chemezi Metu is someone who's still kind of coming into his own.
0: Definitely.
1: It seemed like, okay— the game is done, but he stepped up. He, he had did. a couple of big possessions there. Um, even defending the inbound pass late yep. in the, I think, in the double overtime, he really did a good job yeah, of Yeah, he got a deflection, them. right,
0: on the yeah. first one. He, in rebounding Shades in of Ryan Hollins. Yeah, and, and
1: <laughs> uh, of course, he did kind of have a bad, he, he missed yeah. the box out on the free throw um, miss. Yes. Batum had that tip yes. in, and uh, he got it back, though. Had to go and tip in of his own. He, he, he definitely was a perfect Band-Aid yeah. over that kind of Domas foul trouble scenario, but... There are so many aspects of that game that are impressive, and, and mm-hmm. one to me is the second night of a back-to-back. Right. I mean... Throw that in as another hurdle. Second night of a back-to-back, and there was audio. I was re-watching the game on NBA TV. They played it all day, apparently. I was visiting my really? grandparents, and... Shout yeah, out to my that. grandparents, by the way. Uh, they're probably listening. Big I, shout out. I um, was watching the game over, and the Clippers broadcast, you could pick up Fox, mm-hmm. talking to a fan courtside, and the guy was giving Fox some flack for missing one of those floaters that came up short in yeah. overtime. And Fox is like, man, we're on the second half of a back-to-back.
0: Yeah, like, legs are done. And you could tell they were it's done. Double overtime, yeah. You
1: could see how worn down they all were. I mean, even the Clippers mm-hmm. stopped going to Kawhi late because he played the most minutes he played all year. Yeah. But De'Aaron Fox dug deep, hit big shots late, and that to me was the most impressive takeaway in that game was, sure, the scoring was great, it was incredible, Yeah, but the Sacramento Kings on the road, almost second half of a back-to-back, Came and played one of the most rested teams in the NBA. The Clippers yeah. hadn't played since the All Star break, yep. so that is such an impressive win to me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the second night of a back to back, the Kings have have you know they they've really responded to to uh, or they did they did respond to you know being fatigued. They had built in excuses left and right in that game, and for them to to persevere was huge. You mentioned you know their their ridiculous offense. We've gone five minutes here, and we haven't mentioned the guy who had the most explosive offense on that night, Malik Monk, 45 points in that game, 30 points. I, I did the math on this uh, the other day. 30 points in fourth quarter in the two overtime periods. We talk a lot about De'Aaron Fox being that guy in the clutch, and he, he absolutely has been, and he had a couple clutch moments in that Clipper game, but Malik Monk was absolutely sensational in that game, and he really has been for the past 10 or 11 games or so, and especially since the All-Star break, he's came out incredibly hot. We've seen Malik be up and be down for this team at different points in this year. I mean, how how great, I mean, well, how important is it for Malik to play well if this team is going to be able to, to play well against the teams like the Clippers in this league? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems
1: with the Kings over the years, and they've missed the playoffs as we know for almost 20 or 16 right. years, they have had good teams before with a good five. I mean, back to the Cousins days, they had teams with a good five. But having a good bench and beyond that yeah. is so important. And Malik Monk, those two games he was missed going into the break, I mean, the Kings really needed some yeah. bench scoring, especially against Phoenix, a game the Kings were in at late. They just were relying on their starters too much. Yep. What he's been able to do since coming back has been incredible. I mean, and look at what he did against the Clippers. To start, 16 points in the fourth quarter. He single I don't right, want to say he... single-handedly, because Fox had 10 points in the yeah. fourth as well, but those two Kentucky guys, and primarily Monk, are the reason why the Kings, number one, came back and got themselves in the game and in a position to win that game. Mm-hmm. But those big shots late in the game, those threes, those three-pointers, those are tough shots. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have that oh-no, oh-no reaction when someone's taking a, a fall-away three, <laughs> just kind of pulling yeah. up. But Malik was knocking them down more times yeah. than not, and that to me is something that... uh you can't put a price on it.
0: Yeah, definitely. That follow-away shot you're talking about was, I think it was uh, the Kings were down by four and De'Aaron kind of just, you know, recognizes Malik as the trailer he was open I uh Kawhi was kind of sagging off a little and yeah Malik takes a fall away three pretty much for game if he misses that shot and, and the Clippers score on the other end they're up 6 and you know the Kings have made made tons of comebacks that game but um there were so many times where it was like you you mentioned you turned to your girlfriend and you're like I think it's over so many times where they were just We've it's not even the fact that it's the Kings and oh, they we, I've seen them not like any NBA team. If they're down by six in overtime, it's done. It's over. It's over. It's on a five the road. minute period on the road. Second night of a back to back throw in all of the the Demona Sabonis not playing all of that. And the again, like the Kings biggest issue, if, if you would have asked me before that game. What am I what are like the nightmare scenario for the Kings? It's a game where a team like the Clippers, a team that is definitely has offensive weapons but by no means is one of the most high power offenses in this league, they could not miss they could not stop them and if you're going to have a team that's not good at offense shooting out of their minds I mean the shots quite Leonard, was I think he hit 13 of his first fourteen shots in Ridiculous. that game. He was hitting fadeaways, turnarounds, contested threes, step-back threes. He was on another level. He was quite literally unstoppable. The Kings had no answer for him. And for them to be able to survive, really, the Clippers' best punch. And that's what it really felt like, was the Kings were in a boxing match, and they were just taking haymakers to the dome. And it felt like one of these was just going to knock them out for the count. And they kept getting up and not only getting up but they were they found themselves and started hitting back and eventually kind of got the knockout blow with 36 seconds left for for De'Aaron to I mean of course you know you shouldn't be surprised that De'Aaron's the one who who inevitably hits the the shot that that seals the game but it it was just absolutely incredible what is there one thing i mean you know we mentioned the Sabonis, as we mentioned the the Monk the back to back what was it to you that was really the most surprising part
1: i mean Surprising or impressed? I mean, I'd say I'd say I will say surprised and impressed by the fact that the Kings just respond respond to the runs and they responded to runs again and again and again all game long. The Clippers were in control of that game. I mean, I'm looking at the game chart. I think the Kings didn't hold a lead, and I have it right here. I don't think they held the lead. They held the lead early in the game. Clippers led for the entire entire game. If you look at the game chart on NBA.com, there's a lot of right where the Clippers are and a little bit of little bit of purple at the mm-hmm. end where the Kings made their run. It just seemed as close as they would get in the fourth overtime, second overtime, they couldn't get over that hump yeah. until De'Aaron's go-ahead shot. A shot that ended up giving them giving them the win. So just responding to those runs against good teams is something that I really wanted to see from this team, and they've done yeah. that. They did that, and they also did that. Again, it's not the same thing against a Portland team that was missing a bunch of guys, but mm-hmm. going down big early, responding, that's big to me. Yeah. And while the Kings... That's an issue we'll talk about, I'm sure, later on another yeah. time, the, them getting off to slow starts. Yep. They did that. They they were able to come back from 7, 6, 12, what have you, late in the game. But also another takeaway for me is the fact that I think this was the most three-point field goals a team has made in a game this year mm-hmm. and lost. Yeah. The Clippers made 26 three-pointers. Set
0: a franchise record, their own franchise record. Yes. Rightfully so. As you Rightfully
1: so. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine they <laughs> right. scored 170 right. <laughs> I mean, before. Yeah. So uh, 60% from the field, 58%.
0: 3. You're not supposed Kings to win won. those games. You're not supposed to win games where your opponent shoots 60, 58 and like 85 splits. No, it's it's ridiculous. I mean,
1: and again, second highest scoring game since what? 83, I think yep. it was 186
0: 184. It's yep. just ridiculous. Thing I'm most proud of, the Kings now own the crypto.com building scoring record. Kings of the king. We can we can of the crypt. We can forever hold that 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 building is now owned by the Sacramento. Yeah, Nation. Kings own it. We own the record. That game was was pretty incredible. Where does that rank in our all-time NBA Kings memories? We're going to talk about that and more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Town Sports 1140.
1: Lines from the near side by Sabonis. Back to the basket. Here's a little team poke away attempt by Isaiah Joe Weekside. He protects, gives to Lyles, out to Fox for three. Oh, that could be a dagger. De'Aaron Fox saluting those fans courtside across the way with a salute after nailing the triple that makes it 124 to 112. Minute 30 yet to
0: go. That was the voice of the legend, the one and only Mr. 3000, Gary Gerald. Shout out, G Man, three thousand games. Wow, that's wow. insane. I mean, he's literally been doing games since before we were born. Yeah, he's... A good, about a decade before. Right not to age yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah, not but... to not to age anybody or us. But uh, the dude has just been. He, he's literally like he is the voice of the Kings, quite literally. But when you think of so many great Kings memories, it's attached to G Man's voice right next to it. I mean. It's pandemonium in here in Arco Arena. the 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 plays that they, uh, the video that they made, the video tribute that they made for G-Man yesterday was incredible. Um, if you haven't watched that, be sure to check that out on uh, the Sacramento Kings' uh, Twitter page. I know it was on yeah. their Twitter page. I'm pretty sure it's on their Instagram page as well. It might be on YouTube. They might have. They might have put it on I YouTube. hope they put it on YouTube. Yeah. G Man got the chain after yesterday' Ugh. game. That that was on YouTube. That as got well. me, man. in My feels. Dude, it really did. That was so great. A little choked up. Yeah, it was. It was great to hear Mike talk about G Man to give you know explaining why he got the chain, and then yeah, the, the video of of G Man getting the chain, being recognized by the whole team, seeing people dap him up. Getting to close the locker – you know, getting the, the break, the huddle break yep. was, was – that was so awesome together on three. Um, he deserves it all. He deserves it all. I mean,
1: like, th- think about how bad the Kings have been for – I mean, while they've been in Sacramento, I mean, they've had, what, about eight years of – nine years of nine, nine playoff appearances, I right. think. Uh, in, in Sac- The first year they were they made the playoffs. I think maybe eight eight times after – no, ten, because they had 85, 80, 84, 85, 85, 86, whatever, the first year. Then they had Rattle Seattle. Then they had eight in a row. So 10 years out of, what, we're going on 38 30, years?
0: Eight years that he has had decent basketball. And he's
1: been the light. I mean, I said on in my recap last night, he's been a constant light among these years of darkness. This man deserves everything. Yeah. He's just the best. He's an absolute professional, uh, what he brings every night. I mean, we have the pleasure of being around G-Man uh, in the media dining room. We have dinner with him most yeah. nights at Golden One Center. And every night, the stories he tells, just how I don't know, how kind he is, the man is just a legend
0: yeah he's he's one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life uh so genuine you know I I had the opportunity of uh of doing you know pre post and halftime for for some Kings games earlier this year you know G-Man knows us you know he knows me from sitting at the table for dinner we you know exchange pleasantries for sure but you know we've never had in-depth conversations or anything like that and g man was just so gracious so so kind, uh, so welcoming to somebody who's just trying to figure it out on the broadcast, and you know he's at that point done two thousand plus broadcasts, and here's some guy doing his first, and you know he treated me no differently than he would treat Jason or Henry or Scott or anyone who mm-hmm. who's doing that thing so Um, you know, just, just one of a kind, like just absolutely one of a kind. And you mentioned the fact that he was able to, (laughs) to just last through those terrible years that he had to do. I mean, he had to call some 20 win game seasons He's had to call some of the worst basketball you've ever seen. 50-point blowout. 50-point like, yeah. Blow, yeah, trying to keep – how do you keep a radio broadcast entertaining when a team is down 30 and this is their 50th loss of the season? I don't know how, but G-Man somehow, someway, found a way to do it. And, uh, you know, every you, – you can just feel that he still loves to do it. There's no end in sight for that dude. Like, he, he legitimately – like, we've seen him – in the media dining table, coughing a lung out, and the dude will still go on the broadcast. Puts on a show. You have to yank him off the, the broadcast. Puts on a show.
1: Puts on a show as well. Yeah. I mean how long he's been doing it. And I mean people at, at, at his age too, I mean it's
0: incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And he's doing it still at a high level. Yeah. Complete high level. Yeah. That's the thing. Not slowing down at all if you put it with the T V broadcast, it's step for step. No, and he's
1: traveling with the team. I mean mm-hmm. yeah, well, T V didn't get the travel for a while. G Man's out there. Yeah. He's out there, and I think this the professionalism he brings and what he's been doing, what he means to the Kings fandom. I mean, the right. organization, it's it's just you can't really say much more. They're else,
0: gonna so. they're gonna hang his uh, a banner in the rafters for sure. They need to. I, I would think so. I mean, you know, Chick Hearn, I know has has a is has his name up in the rafters at, at Crypto. Uh, I think I saw when we were in Salt Lake City that the the. Um, What's their name? The Jazz have have their uh, broadcaster up in the rafters. Yeah, I would love for G-Man to to have a moment, and maybe you know, maybe they do it on the next home game. Maybe they do it in a couple years. Maybe they do it when G-Man, if he eventually retires,
1: what the Kings do, I think they'll probably honor him. I would imagine the next home game,
0: at least. Maybe you know, maybe that media dining room that we get to eat. Maybe maybe they name it after him, like what they did with Jerry Reynolds. But I I think it's just going to be so cool to. I mean, we're going to be able to tell, you know, in 30, 40 years, if G-Man's name is up in the rafters, we can say, like, hey, we broke bread with that guy. We laughed with that guy. We talked with that guy. I got to do a broadcast with that yep. guy. Like, it's, it's just a definition of a legend. We can literally go on and on and on. And above G-Man. all, the man deserves to call some playoff games. I mean, that voice <sighs> Talk need, about it.
1: needs to needs to call yeah. some playoff games. And that's something I know that... Uh, over the past couple of years, I think talking to Jason Ross, that was what, you know, through Jason, that's what G Man told him. Like, he right. wants to call some playoff games. Yeah. And the Kings have to finish off the season strong, but the fact that they're doing this and, and he's hitting this milestone and the, all these things are happening while they're on that road to the playoffs will make yes. that so much more valuable. The fact Absolutely. that G Man can have a three thousand you know, 3,000th call of his mm-hmm. career and call some Kings playoff games because him right. being an impact Golden One center. Describing the atmosphere with his words is just something I need to have happen. I need yeah. it to happen.
0: And for Game two thousand nine hundred ninety nine to be the game that it was on Friday, the second highest scoring NBA game in history. It just what, just what incredible, how incredible, what a, an incredible coincidence for that to be, um, and just an honor, I'm sure, for G Man to be able to call such an incredible game. I'd be curious to ask his opinion on where that ranks in his mind in terms of like all-time games that he's called. He's obviously witnessed, you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Michael Jordan, and all all of the greats. Um, you know, he's he's been there for it all. I'm curious where, where that game ranks among for him. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, we'll, we'll start with Kings memories. Is that your – most fond, at least regular season Kings memory. I imagine maybe Bibby's game winner so, uh, ranks higher or something.
1: I know that Bobby Gerald, G-Man's yes, son, G-Man's he did son. put out he, a tweet a couple of nights ago after the Clippers game that he was talking to, to mm-hmm. his dad. He was talking to G-Man about some games that came to mind. And some games that come to mind, the Bulls game. Down 35, that was a game. I, right. I, I remember watching that game. I think yes. I, was, I was in high school. That was a very bad Kings team. Awful awful. And I had the game on and my friends were just like, turn it off, turn it man. Off, this yeah. is garbage. <laughs> this is trash. And I'm like, I gotta finish it out. We gotta yeah. see that. They're down by 25 now, but you guys don't get it. They are yeah. down by 35. Now they're down by 25. Yep. Uh, that was an incredible game. Uh, the 86 Arco game where Bird misses both free throws. Sure, yeah.
0: I heard a lot about that one.
1: Incredible. I mean, seeing the, the highlights of those, and that's like I think what made Arco... That kind of was one of the first games that gave Arco its right. um, Thunder, name. Thunder name. Yes. Um, obviously, there's the... I'm looking at this right here. Tony Delt game was one. Which, he, oh, he, the 50 point Tony Delt. Yeah, that's interesting. He had 50, but 57? 53 points? 53 points. Against the Kings. Overtime. Right? Um, there was a 3 OT game in Toronto, which I've seen the highlights of that one. Triple remember. overtime in Toronto. Uh, Peja had 39. Vince Carter had 38. Uh, you have the road win over the Mavericks in 03 in overtime. Sure. Um, and then you have, obviously, there's a bunch of Kings Lakers games, obviously, in the right. playoffs. But that was the list that uh, Bobby
0: and, and G Man thought up. But. That's not even mentioning like you know some of Demarcus's fifty point games. Yes. I don't know if you know I don't know how fondly G Man remembers those or Tyreek at the Horn. Tyreek at the Horn, a, you know, massive one just as a moment. That's another really terrible Kings team, but to have that moment in there, um, you know, I was talking in, in a pre-show meeting with uh, with our boss Brian about you know where where I think it, you know, what what comes to mind when I think of games that were up to that level, and I definitely it could be because i have a little bit more you know emotional attachment to this kings team but to me it's like right up there with some of the legendary you know nba finals games like when i think of just from an entertainment st- standpoint if you were to just put this game on from start to finish that's as entertaining to me as like Warriors Cavs game seven. Man. Yeah, it's. I would definitely for the stakes have that Warriors Cavs game seven up there but. because of stakes though. I mean, yes, that, absolutely. That,
1: that's maybe the best Finals game of yeah. all, of yeah. all time. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. The so, Ray but, Allen
0: three was maybe, pretty. Yeah. it was an incredible moment. I don't remember too much about that overall game, but
1: yeah. And I guess the the games between the Cavs and Warriors weren't like really neck and neck like yeah. Game Seven was because there were a lot of blowouts right. in that series. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the greatest series, but that Game 7 is one that really sticks out to me. Right. No, Kings Clippers. I think it's
0: up on that. I mean, it's in in that tier, I think. Game
1: 7 of uh, 2016?
0: Yes. Oh, I I think it's like in that tier of, you know, again, I don't know if I'd put it up there for, for, you know, the stakes were a little little bit more significant. Whenever
1: that game comes up, like my YouTube queue, Mm -hmm. like, oh. Game 7 highlights, if it's five minutes
0: long, I always watch it. I always watch it because yeah. I, I want to feel what I felt when I watch it that day. It was incredible. It, I mean, the fact that like nobody scores the final five minutes of that Game 7. But it doesn't matter. Except for Kyrie. No, I mean, it adds to the drama. In yeah, the block, the chase yeah. down block, LeBron. But It's almost like the complete ob- inverse of that Kings Clipper game where people can't miss for no one's five missing. minutes. And then, you know, Game 7, people yeah, nobody for, makes it.
1: The, the biggest, I think, stretch of misses for the Clippers came in double overtime. With about three minutes left. I think that yeah the Kings
0: Kings ended the game on a 7-0, 7-0 run. Seven oh run, yes they did. So yeah.
1: that I don't think the Kings had a seven 0 run in the whole game yeah. <laughs> until then.
0: No, absolutely. I, so. I completely agree. Uh we're gonna talk, you know, the Kings played more than just one game uh this past weekend. We're gonna talk about the Kings victories over OKC and Portland coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sacktown Sports eleven forty. <laughs> 1140 Chris, who chooses the uh, the update music? That's a, I don't know. It's pretty intense. <laughs> I know Deuce and make da-da, fun da-da, of it da-da, all da-da, the time, but it's, it's definitely a little a little bit intense. I don't know if I don't know if that's necessary. I def- this is definitely a lot more of my vibe. Welcome but, up to the updates. Do your socked out sports. Updates. updates. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. I had to put that out there um, man we're having too much fun <laughs> having way too much fun <laughs> king's thunder i <laughs> know <laughs> right uh yeah but seriously king's thunder king's thunder was last night uh they also play the portland trailblazers on thursday uh, can't forget about that game damian lillard chris mentioned uh rested that game um not really for any specific reason besides it seems like pettiness and or just general rest uh, super interesting, but the common through line with those two games is the Kings play two teams who are on the edge of the uh the play in race uh, without their stars. And I think for moments in, in both games it you know, the outcome was maybe questionable at, at for, for, for moments, but inevitably the Kings did pull out the victories and uh, beat two teams that record wise I think you would say that they should take care of. Have any thoughts on, you know? The Kings' minor struggles in those games and the eventual pulling out of it? Yeah. Quick side note. Matt George is in
1: the chat. Oh, gosh. ABC's TV's Matt George is in the chat. Hello, Matt. What's up, Yogi? You got, you got the attention you want. Yogi Bear! Uh, look, the games are too precious right now to look at and think that the Kings can let... Can I know. He's, Matt is pulling us in the chat. Crazy. This guy's crazy. Uh, you have to win the games that you quote-unquote should win. Yes. And as impressive as the win against Dallas was, as impressive as the win against the Clippers was, as... Very impressive is that one, Very. mind you. You look at the Kings, who have fallen short so many times against teams that are missing players. Right. And for someone that's this close to the playoffs, I mean, we're in March, day after tomorrow. like The season is winding down. We, we, you, you can't keep having these games like, okay, Kings lose another game to a team that's missing 2-3 starters. Yep. Portland was missing 4 starters. And they started the game, what, in a 22-6 hole? Yes. And <laughs> I think we were just, I didn't feel stressed i kind of you kind of like know they're going to make a run it yeah. wasn't like the same feeling as the dallas game when the kings were down by it was 45 25 after the first quarter it had a different feel but it's not encouraging when you see a team get down that quick because that happens against teams that are healthy and if they are uh, you know at full health it's not going to be as easy to, to recover but the kings did recover they beat the blazers they beat them in a uh, pretty convincing it was fashion
0: convincing, yeah by the end of it for sure they
1: completely brought the hammer down and then last night was a game to me I mean, OKC has been, a, a, I'll say, a good team this mm-hmm. season. They are not the Oklahoma City scrappy, Thunder. at least. They're yeah. scrappy. I mean, they're on they're the hunt. They're a game and a half out of the plan right now. And Obviously, Shea just has been a huge part of that, and him being out, to me, makes it a game that the Kings need is a strong word, but you need to win these games. Yeah. You, you, they, you're you so close right now. They're the third seed. They have a three-game cushion now for Phoenix, which we'll talk about a little Crazy. later. That happens because you take care of these games. Mm-hmm. You win these games. You create the space you need. You put teams like Phoenix, the Clippers, and Dallas in a position to where they are in must-win uh, situations. And the fact that the Kings are doing that consistently, three games in a row, uh, I think they've won six of their last ten after kind of struggling for a little bit there. The recovery's been nice to see.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I'm gonna I'm going to go off the point you just made there it's so key for them to be taking care of these games that against teams that they quote unquote should be beating. I mean, they have so many, you know, so many more games against the best opponents in this league. They have uh, another one against Denver. They have some games against Phoenix, some games against Dallas, another game against the Clippers as well. Um, You know, and then some of the better teams in, in the East as well. Like we can't forget this team still has to play Boston and Milwaukee, um, I think they've played the sixers twice already if they're I'm done saying. thankfully yeah thankfully uh have another game against the Knicks which we'll talk about a little bit uh TNT. In, in a little bit but you know they they have some so many games against legit teams in this league that they're gonna hey they're gonna lose a couple of them if not half of them you know there's there's a good shot the Kings have not fared well so far this season against teams above 500 if they can finish 500 uh, against the those those teams, that's great as long as they continue to take care of the opponents that they're supposed to beat. And it's a lot easier said than done as, as we all know every single night you have to take the game on an individual by individual basis. You know, you can't just, chalk up, oh, the Kings just beat OKC, so they're going to beat them again uh, tomorrow as mm-hmm. well. Like you, You're you going to have to go into that game. We don't know if Shea going to be playing, um, but the point is you have to come out every single night with that kind of focus that we've seen from this team uh, ever since coming out of break. It really, truthfully, does feel like you can tell that these guys have kind of ratcheted up a notch since the All-Star break. You heard Terrence Davis talk on Thursday about how he was thinking during the all-star break about, wow, like these guys, like we haven't, we're about to do something that hasn't been done here in 16 years. I think these guys really do understand, not just from you look at the West and you're every, you know, your, your everyday regular degular franchise, and you're trying to compete for, for a playoff spot in, in a very tight, tough Western conference. On top of all that, you're, the only team that has a 16 year playoff drought attached to it. There's nothing that you can go back on to be like, Hey, like remember two years ago when we were in this same situation and pulled through, like you have nothing, no experience that you have to fall back on. And for them so far to come out with the intensity they have, it's, it's really surprising to me. It's just not something that I thought that they would be able to, to take up to another notch, but they've really met the competition since the break head on and and they've they've played really I would say with the exception of the OK I don't think they played too well against OKC, which almost makes it a better win in my opinion because if you're a good team, you can't always play your best basketball. Sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have to scrape it out, and on your not your best night, you're gonna have to figure out how to win games. And I think that's what they did.
1: Well, give them some credit. I mean, Oklahoma City in the third quarter. The third quarter was what? Is that when they scored forty? They scored forty on eight Scary. of twelve from three.
0: <laughs> yeah, Isaiah. Yeah, and Isaiah Joe. They were wondering when's he gonna oh get going. Goodness. Did you
1: hear that? When, when is he gonna get going? He had what twenty eight there night. Yeah. Okay, well he got going. He got going. He, he got, got going. <laughs> He so got going. He got going, and, and obviously they, they responded. Yeah. But uh, the game to me was the Kings were on the verge of putting them away. Mm-hmm. They were double-digit lead. Seemed like it was kind of going that way. I kind of thought they were going to maybe go on cruise control, and Isaiah Joe said no. Yeah. So the fact they were able to kind of rebound from that. Fourth quarter, I I think I tweeted they're going to need fourth quarter Fox tonight. Yep. Turns out, I mean, and Fox did chip in. He had seven points in the fourth quarter, but Trey Lyles. <sighs> Mr. Fourth Quarter last Man, night.
0: Sometimes I watch Trey Lyles and I'm like, do I do I love you? <laughs> like I, Trey Max extension? I bro, <laughs> I'm ready to to give it all to Trey because he sometimes just he, he is so perfect coming off the bench. What do you think about? I think we we saw in the Clipper game a little bit before Sabonis fouled out. Uh, Trey, them go to Trey Lyles at the five. They've gone to Trey Lyles at the five a couple times in some key situations, especially recently. Where are you right now on the chemezi Metu versus Trey Lyles at the backup five? Is it uh, matchup based? Is it kind of? It's got be He's got it
1: going that night. It's gotta be matchup based, right? Because when you look at Oklahoma City, they don't really have a true center. Right. They don't have. I think uh, last night they started, or the other night it was Jalen Williams mm-hmm. started at center. Yep. Yeah. I think I think he's six seven, six yeah. six. I think I think this on the telecast the shortest. Uh, starting center in the NBA this year, the shortest player to be starting at the center mm. slot. So that's ideal. For Trey Lyles, who I believe is 6'7", six, 6'6". Six, six. So that works. But when you play other teams that have, you know, against the Clippers, you have Plumlee coming off the bench. Throwing Lyles at Plumlee, that's kind of a tough matchup. And, mm. well, again, I'm in the camp of Holmes or Metu. I think Holmes still yeah. does. I,
0: it's crazy to me. Second half of the season, we have seen zero Rashawn Holmes even still.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe we will. And Chemezi, again, has played well Mm -hmm. the past couple of games, and I'm willing to see this through. And I think he deserves a shot until he proves he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be matchup-based. If if they're playing teams with small-ball lineups, Trey Lyles is perfect for that situation because the Kings have been a good small-ball team this season. They've had to because they don't have a backup center. Uh, So Trey Lyles, though, that shows you last night exactly what he can bring in that role. And, I mean, last night in the fourth quarter alone would have been a good stat line for him. Ten points, four rebounds, three assists, three or four from the field. That's a good stat line. That was a fourth quarter by himself.
0: Yeah. His ability to stretch the floor to me offensively is what makes him, uh, what can make him such a valuable piece, especially in the right situation in the playoffs. Like if you're able, you know, just to play the Minnesota Timberwolves, perfect example. If you can put Trey Lyles as your backup five, that's how teams get Rudy Gobert off of the floor and that's really the importance of having somebody like Trey Lyles be your backup 5. It's not necessarily him doing the traditional center stuff. It's not him getting double-doubles, getting 10 rebounds in a game. Not about you know protecting the rim is definitely a bonus of that, but it's about his ability to stretch the floor and pull centers like Rudy Gobert, like Mason Plumley out of the paint. And leave wide open lanes for De'Aaron and Malik Monk and, and the Kings cutters to, to get open at the paint. And I think that, to me, is the biggest benefit of playing Trey. But I think I agree with you that it seems like this coaching staff does take it on a night-to-night basis. and really does take into account the matchup, figure yeah, of it all. Yeah,
1: and you have to. I mean, again, the Kings... It's weird because they are a deep team, but their only position that they're not really deep in is the big spot. I mean, especially with what Terrence Davis has been doing. Terrence Davis has really taken a step forward Incredible. and been productive off the bench. Mm-hmm. These are things the Kings need. They couldn't just go into this playoff chase with only Malik Monk being that contributor. They need guys like Trey Lyles to contribute. Davion Mitchell, give him some credit. He's taken a step forward on the defensive end. and He's been a little more aggressive on offense, some shots have been falling. It's not what you want to see from him ideally, He's not quite there yet, but he's taking steps forward. He's progressing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, TD Mitchell, Lyles, Monk—the Kings have four players at the bench right now that I feel confident. Like I'm confident in those guys. Yeah, like I, I really do trust those guys right now. Now, Chemezi and Rashawn—we'll see what happens. But Chemezi's playing good minutes, and until that changes, Kings shouldn't mess with what, what, what they're what's working. I think they see, I see people on Twitter saying Kevin Herd's been struggling. It's time to switch up the starting lineup. Why? <laughs> yeah. This is work. The Kings yeah. are playing well with what they have going right, right now. Why would you change that up? I mean, I
0: like Malik Monk off the bench and yeah. closing games is different than starting. Yeah, it's way different, definitely. And I, I I don't think Kevin Herter has played you know incredibly, and I don't think he's he's played up to starter quality. But I don't think that it's time to necessarily change the rotation. His numbers are lineups. still good, right? Exactly
1: on the season, they're right. still good. The body of work is. Is there. It's there.
0: And he's just going through a cold – like, these guys are going to – they're not going to be hot for 82 games, and, you know, they're going to go through their slumps. And I think clearly if you watched uh, All-Star Saturday, Kevin is is definitely going through a slump right slump, now. But he's in. trying to work through it. He's It's not like he's missing everything. And, again, like, I think the the thing that I've been most impressed, of, impressed with with Kevin Herter this year is that he's not just a three-point shooter. He does really hunt two-point shots as well as his three-point shots, especially if it's not falling. Kings aren't going to uh, earn that three seed on their own. They're going to have to have some help from around the league. We take a look at some of the other teams in the Western Conference on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sacktown Sports 1140. Live and local.
1: Live and
0: local. This is Sacktown Sports final segment Chris Watkins Frankie Cartaselli. great pronunciation it's not hard to say it's not it's not hard to say
1: if, if you're not you just read it I mean if you I, I get it it's but not Cart- hard
0: to spell it. I mean maybe we've been doing a podcast now for like four or five years it's so a I've running to gag like though here it's spell a, it. it it's a running thing here yeah. people don't say it Chris you have you have the drop the Frankie cascarelli I mean there's there's like there's I don't think he does yeah he, he definitely Chris Chris has Chris has everything anything anyone casquarelli <laughs> chris has everything anyone has ever said on this airway in some somewhere some way he he, he can dig it up right. uh yeah it's not that hard man it's not that hard. i appreciate it i know it. you've said like you're gonna want to change your last name for it like, i'm not gonna change i said that no yeah, yeah. No, you're no, like no. am i gonna have to no, change nick. my last name oh yeah <laughs> I,
1: I questioned it i think nick was saying to change it or change it on twitter or something i was like
0: no no no, no, it's not. It's just I like, like my name. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Anyways, uh, anyways, let's take a look around the league. As I mentioned, uh, coming out of the break, the Kings are—you know—they can—they can win as many games as they want. I mean, unless they want to win literally every single game, they're going to need some help from across the league. It's not just going to have to be them in order to secure their playoff spot. You and I were just talking in the break. It kind of feels like now. The Kings are trending towards safely a top five seed. I mean, it you know obviously there's a lot of seasons still to be played out. Mm-hmm. But when you look at uh, the fact that the Kings now have acquired a three game cushion between the three seed them, the Sacramento Kings, and the four seed right now, which is the Phoenix Suns, uh, they're they're three games back. There's only so much time, and Kevin Durant still isn't back. And then you know Dallas seems to still be figuring it out. The Clippers have a very you know the kings have a tough schedule the clippers also have a very tough schedule and haven't performed well against some of the better teams in this league dare I say like things are things are kind of looking optimistic for the kings i think you have to look at this standings and uh the way that they've came out of the break and really feel good about the way things are heading right
1: yeah if anyone out there was staring at the standings last night for an hour before going to sleep you're not alone Couldn't i imagine. did that as well it's yeah. so fun looking at them right now but i will say they have put themselves in a great position, but March is going to be a tough month. You look at who they have coming up. They have next week a big back to back, a home back to back. Golden one going to be packed. Clippers Minnesota. That's Clippers game on Friday. I'm looking at that one. But after yeah. that, there's about a couple of games there. You have the Knicks, which we talked about TNT game. TNT game. Kings move to TNT. How about that?
0: They boot Warriors, Grizzlies. Yeah. Kings-Knicks. Well, they played—who uh, the Warriors play last night? They put, they put the Warrior game on last night. Oh, they night. played Minnesota like, on yeah, I I that ESPN. Was like, it was like, like they, why? that didn't need to be on ESPN.
1: But the Kings have, like, you know, coming into the season, how could anyone know? I mean, we didn't even know. No. Nobody knew the Kings yeah. were going to be their top three with a month to go. Right. So no one knew that. They're getting the respect they deserve. They were a talking point in All-Star Weekend. We know that people around the league are taking notice in them. And they, of course, are playing the Knicks, who are the New York Knicks. So you get the East Coast aspect of it. People are going to know who they are. I mean, they're going to continue to know if the Kings keep winning. But I'm looking at the upcoming stretch. You have the New York game after New Orleans. You have Phoenix, Milwaukee. There's about a week stretch if the Kings can get through that and have their head above water. I feel really confident. Then they go play teams like Utah. Uh, They play Minnesota. They have a back-to-back against Portland, San Antonio. There are winnable games down that stretch, but they need to show that they can keep their head above water against those heavy hitters. But Mm -hmm. they put themselves in a good position. They have a little bit of a cushion. As we as we said, they have a three game lead over the fourth seed Suns right now. They have a four game lead over the six seed Crazy. Mavericks.
0: Yeah,
1: and and it's different. Again, like baseball. I think we talked about it. in baseball, there's a four game gap. You can close that in, in a four series. Days. You're right. You yeah. can close that within a series. Basketball is a little tougher. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the teams chasing the Kings need to win on a nightly basis, and the Kings need to play uh, above 500 basketball. Like that's pretty much the way that it needs to go if they're going to get caught. But if the Kings finish the year, what 22 games, 12 and 10. I think they're a top six seed, mm-hmm. which I don't think is too much to ask for.
0: No, I don't think so either. Like, especially with again how they've came out of the gate, it it feels like they they have a different level of focus and you know what their record was against teams below five or above five hundred at the first two thirds of the season. I I have a tough time believing that they'll struggle that much in the uh, in the final third of the season. And you mentioned how difficult it is to to catch up on games. A four game lead, which the Kings have on on the 6 seed Mavericks right now. That's like two weeks yeah to realistically come back so right now father you know time is time is on the King's King's side right now they control and their destiny they absolutely control their huge. destiny which is exactly where you want to be and no if the, chasing you know if the Kings go on a, a losing streak you know <laughs> you know to be fair the Memphis Grizzlies right now are playing the worst basketball that they've played all year I think they've lost they had a good uh, game of their, of their night, last bro. 15 games and they're still you know they've they've slid for sure the Kings are now only a game and a half. Out of the two seed, which you know, I I I don't feel comfortable talking yet about the Kings potentially getting that two seed. But uh, you know, if the Kings struggle, there's definite opportunity. Like let's let's you know, we're we're painting things in a positive light not? right I mean, now. But why I'm saying why not? No, I mean every, totally. everything's on the table.
1: 100. The Kings jumping the twos on the table. Them falling out of the top six is on the table. But the point is, they have a more likely chance. Yeah. Based on what their the standings, yep. and knock on wood, everybody, yep. if the Kings stay healthy. Why can't they be there? Yeah. I mean, in Minnesota too, their schedule coming up, they have some tough games. They have Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers. Have been playing well. Golden State could have Steph back. Dallas twice. They have some tough games coming up. So why not?
0: Yeah, no, why not us? It's not. It's something is that coach is that Coach Nick? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why, why not? Yeah, why why not? Exactly why not? It's about Coach Nick going to uh, to do some. Uh, why not? Why not the Sacramento Kings? And I think. Uh, That's really just it's a mindset change that we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to flip for the remaining games. It's just, you know, there's been so many times I heard Dave talk about it uh, right before they went off where it's like, you know, in the past, it doesn't. Yeah, the Kings would have a really uplifting win against the Clippers. And then you would see that they would lose these these games to the OKC's and let that Blazers game slip on by. But. Um, You know, the Kings had that that period early in the year where they lost to Charlotte and then lost to uh, to the Wizards. That feels like hopefully they learn from that situation and they don't let that happen again. You're getting played off, like of at like of the Oscars. I know, I Real know. quick, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Player of the Week, you think so? Yes, no, maybe so? It feels like it. I mean, he's got seven straight games of 30-plus. Kings haven't lost since they've came back from the All-Star break. That's usually a big, big indicator of, uh, you know, Player of the Week status. I, I think so, De'Aaron we'll Fox. We'll see. Western Conference. About two, two hours, we'll week. find out. Really? I think All so. right. Well, uh, that'll be breaking during Deuce and Mo. Please don't turn that dial anywhere. Deuce and Mo are bringing you... Uh, From 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, I think I will be joining them for the first hour. So uh, stay tuned right here on Sacktown Sports 1140.